Hola, my beautiful humans. This is Jasmine Castillo, and I bring stories and cases from the people of color community, bringing awareness of murdered and missing indigenous women, girls, two spirits, the LGBTQ community, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, Black indigenous people of color. These are their stories. So welcome to Hands Off, my podcast. One year after Uvalde Rob Elementary School shooting. The community has been struggling to heal from the tragedy. The families of the victims have been devastated and the town has been left with a sense of fear and uncertainty. In the meantime, the families of the victims of Uvalde are trying to find a way to move on with their lives. They are grieving the loss of their loved ones and they are trying to find a way to cope with the trauma of what happened. Some of the families have started foundations in honor of their loved ones. These foundations are dedicated to raising awareness about gun violence and working to prevent future tragedies. Other families have spoken out publicly about gun violence. They have shared their stories in the hope that it will help change the conversation about gun control in the United States. The families of the victims of Uvalde school shooting are determined to make a difference. They are working to raise awareness about gun violence and to prevent future tragedies. They are also working to heal from the trauma of, of what happened. It is a long and difficult road, but the families of the victims of Uvalde school shooting, Rob Elementary, are determined to find a way to move forward. They are a testament to the human spirit and they are an inspiration to us all. This episode will explore the events leading up to the Robb Elementary, Uvalde, Texas school shooting, the aftermath of the shooting, and the debate about gun control in the United States. History of Uvalde Uvalde is a city in Uvalde County, Texas. As of 2020 census, the population was 15,879. The city was founded in 1850 by German settlers. The name Uvalde is Spanish for Valley of the Oaks. The city was originally called Molina, but the name was changed to Uvalde in 1852. Uvalde was a major stop on the Butterfield Overland Mail, a stagecoach line that operated between St. Louis and San Francisco. The city was also a center of the cattle industry in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. The city is also a home to a number of tourist attractions including the Uvalde State Park, the Uvalde Zoo, and the Uvalde's Chamber of Commerce Museum. It is a popular destination for bird watching. The city is located in the middle of Rio Grande Valley, which is a major flyway for migrating birds. Uvalde is also home to a number of native birds including the northern mockingbird, the green jay, and the curved-billed thrasher. Here, they have a diverse community. The city's population is about 70% Hispanic, 20% white, and 10% other races. It is also home to a number of Native American tribes including the Comanche, the Lipan Apache, and the Mescalero Apache. Uvalde is a friendly welcoming city. The city's residents are known for their hospitality and their love of life. Despite the tragedy, Uvalde remains a vibrant and resilient community. 
The city is committed to healing and moving forward, and it is determined to be a safe and welcoming place for all. The shooting has had a profound impact on the community of Uvalde. The families of the victims are still grieving, and the town is still struggling to heal. The shooting has also sparked a national debate about gun control. The events leading up to the shooting Salvador Ramos was a troubled young man who lived with his grandmother. He had a history of violence that had been expelled from high school in the days leading up to the shooting. Ramos had been posting disturbing messages on social media about how he was going to shoot his grandmother and then attack a school. Although his motives for the crime he committed are still unknown. Before the incident happened, Ramos had an argument with his grandmother over his failure to graduate high school which led to him shooting her in the face. Although she survived with the help of the neighbors, he drove her truck and crashed it through a barricade and into a concrete ditch outside of Robb Elementary School, jumping over the fence. He entered Robb Elementary through an unlocked door with an AR-15 style rifle and a large amount of ammunition. He fired bullets outside for around five minutes before entry before the members of the U.S. Border Patrol Tactical Unit, also called BORTAC, fatally shot Ramos, they bypassed multiple local and state cops who had been in the school's halls for over an hour, while Ramos had been inside the building for more than that. Before entering the classroom to confront the gunmen, police officers remained on the scene for up to 77 minutes. Police also roped off the school grounds, which led to an uproar between civilians and parents trying to enter the building to save students. On May 18, 2018, Santa Fe High School in Santa Fe, Texas, where 10 people were killed and 13 others were injured, Dimitrios Pargorsis was taken into custody and charged with capital murder. The shooting was the third deadliest school shooting in Texas history and the 10th deadliest in the United States since the Columbine High School Massacre in 1999. In the wake of the shooting, there was a renewed call for gun control measures in Texas, but the state's Republican-controlled legislature has resisted such efforts. The Aftermath Since the tragic event in Uvalde, there had been additional cases of gun violence nationwide in which the perpetrators shot numerous people. Over the past 14 years, there have been nine mass shootings in Texas, and several of them have spurred discussions about what laws should be imposed to prevent future tragedies. The families of the victims have been grieving and trying to come in terms with the loss of their loved ones. They have been holding memorial services and funerals, and they have been speaking out about the need for gun control. Some of the families have also been working to create memorials for their loved ones. For example, the family of a Mary Jo Garza, the 10-year-old girl who was killed in the shooting, has created a scholarship fund in her name. The survivors of the shooting have also been struggling to cope with what they have experienced. Some of them have been having nightmares and flashbacks, and they have been struggling to return to school. A survivor of the tragic incident Mia Cerillo, an 11-year-old girl who survived the shooting, told her parents that she covered herself in blood and pretended to be dead in order to survive. She told CNN that she thought she was going to die. 
Here are some of the things the families of the kids who were killed in the shooting have to say about them. Xavier Lopez, a 10-year-old boy who was killed in a shooting, was described by his family as a sweet and funny boy who loved to play baseball. Jacinto Cazares, father of Jackie Cazares. She was full of love and full of life. She would do anything for anybody. Steven Garcia, father of Eliana Garcia. Ellie knew she wanted to be a cheerleader. She was a beautiful, happy little girl. She loved to dance and play sports. Veronica Luvanos, mother of Hyla Nicole Seguro. She was only 10 years old, but she was full of life and love. She always had a smile on her face. Rogelio Torres, father of Rogelio Torres. He was a smart, funny, and loving child. He loved to play video games and ride his bike. Alicia Ramirez's father, Ryan Ramirez. She was a beautiful, smart, and funny girl. She loved to draw and paint. Alexandria Anaya Rubio's mother, Kimberly Mata Rubio. She was a beautiful, smart, and kind girl. She loved to dance and play with her friends. Ozia Garcia grandfather, Manny Renfro. He was the sweetest little boy that I've ever known. He loved to play baseball and video games. These are just a few more examples of the many heartbreaking stories that have come out of this tragedy. The families of these children are grieving the loss of their loved ones, and we can only imagine the pain that they are going through. We can offer our condolences and support, but we can never truly understand what they are feeling. This school shooting was a wake-up call for America. National Missing Children's Day Today is the mid-roll for the missing. On Thursday, May 25th, is National Missing Children's Day. It is a day to raise awareness about the issue of missing children and to encourage people to take steps to keep their children safe. The day was first established in 1983 by President Ronald Reagan in memory of Eaton Pats, a six-year-old boy who disappeared from his New York City neighborhood in 1979. So on this Wednesday, the Department of Justice will commemorate the 40th Annual National Missing Children's Day live stream ceremony honoring the heroic and exemplary efforts of agencies, organizations, and individuals to protect children. There are an estimated 400,000 children reported missing in the United States each year. Of those, about 115,000 are runaways. 200,000 are abducted by a non-custodial parent, and 8,000 are abducted by strangers. So parents, take 25, which means take 25 minutes to sit with your children and explain a few tips about safety. Talk to your children about stranger danger and teach them how to stay safe. Make sure your children know their home address and phone number. Teach your children how to use a cell phone to call for help. Never leave your child alone in a car. Be aware of your surroundings when you are out with your child. 
If your child is abducted, call 911 immediately. National Missing Children's Day is a day to remember the children who are still missing and to recommit ourselves to keeping all children safe. And currently, there are over 300 missing children just in Texas alone. And of those, the names I will mention today are current standing Amber Alerts. Jesus Martinez, Kendrick Jackson, Elion Mahano, Daniel Jimenez, Deja Weaver, Armadry Arguman, Lina Sadar Kiel. If anyone has any information, please contact 1-800-843-5678, which is 1-800-THE-LOST. I will have their posters in the show notes. On the quest for gun control. The debate about gun control in the United States is complex. There are strong arguments on both sides of the issue. Those who support stricter gun control laws argue with such laws would help prevent mass shootings. They point to the fact that the United States has a far higher rate of gun violence than any other developed countries. They also argue that stricter gun laws would make it more difficult for people who should not have guns to obtain them. Those who oppose stricter gun control laws argue that such laws would infringe on the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens. They believe that the Second Amendment guarantees the right of, of individuals to own guns and that any attempt to restrict that right is a violation of the Constitution. They also argue that stricter gun control laws would not be effective in preventing mass shootings and would only serve to disarm law-abiding citizens, making them more vulnerable to criminals. The debate about gun control is likely to continue for many years to come. There is no easy answer and both sides of the issue have valid points. However, it is important to have a civil and respectful discussion about this issue and to work together to find solutions that will help prevent future tragedies. People also suggest that a new rule should at very least raise the age requirement for the purchasing certain firearms from 18 to 21, which is in fact what is going on as we speak. At the time of this recording, the 88th legislature is actually discussing about the Texas House Bill 2744 which relates to prohibiting the transfer of certain semi-automatic rifles to certain recipients, creating a criminal offense, and increasing a criminal penalty. And just a few hours ago, a Texas Senate okays a $328 million proposal to boost school security that would provide districts about $15,000 per campus for security upgrades and tighten auditing requirements. Unfortunately, this bill does not cover specific mental health programs. Despite the fact that there are hundreds of federal and state laws and regulations limiting America's access to guns, some advocates claim that social science research demonstrates that a few additional simple common sense laws could significantly lower the number of injuries and fatalities related to firearms. Since decades ago, there has been a significant scientific effort 
to ascertain whether gun control policies are effective. A 2020 analysis of 27,900 scholarly publications on the effectiveness of gun control measures were conducted by the nonprofit research group RAND Corporation. Only 123 papers, or 0.4% of this enormous corpus of research, were thoroughly assessed for their effects, according to the RAND authors. In spite of the debate about gun control in the United States, gun control is ineffective. It is true that there is little statistical evidence linking gun legislation to violence, but even if gun restrictions were successful, they would have issues. Before the Robb Elementary School shooting, there had been similar cases in the past, one of which was the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting, which occurred on December 14, 2012. 20-year-old Adam Lanza shot and killed 20 children and adults at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newton, Connecticut. Lanza also killed his mother before driving to school. He then committed suicide The incident has been the deadliest school massacre in American history, as well as the deadliest school shooting in Connecticut. It sparked a national debate about gun control and mental health. In the years since Sandy Hook, there have been several attempts to pass gun control legislations, but none have been successful. The Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting and the Robb Elementary School shooting are two of the most horrific tragedies in American history. They have both had a profound impact on the nation and have led to renewed calls for gun control. It is important to remember these victims to continue to fight for change so that no other families have to experience the pain and loss that they have suffered. Because the victims of these two horrific events were kids between the ages of 7 and 10, just imagine the hurt it would have caused their families and their loved ones and the most especially the witnesses of the tragic events. Imagine the trauma it would have caused them. In the wake of these shootings, it is important to remember the victims and their families. The families of the victims have been working to honor their loved ones and make sure that something like this never happens again. One of the most vocal advocates for gun control is Amara Jo Garza's father, Alfred Garza. Garza has said that he wants to make sure that no other parent has to go through what he has gone through. He has called on lawmakers to pass strict gun control laws, and he has even started a petition to get to the White House to change its stance on gun control. Another family that has been outspoken about gun control is the family of Eliana Cruz Torres. Her father, Rigelio Torres, has said that he wants to see an end to the gun violence epidemic in the United States. He has called on lawmakers to pass stricter gun control laws, and he has also started a foundation in his daughter's name to raise money for gun violence prevention. They have also spoken about the importance of forgiveness and healing. One of the most moving stories of forgiveness came from the family of Irma Garcia. Irma was a 46-year-old teacher who was killed in the Robb Elementary School shooting. Her husband, Joe Garcia, died of a heart attack two days after Irma was killed. Despite their grief, the Garcia family has said that they forgive the shooter. They have said that they want to focus on their memories of Irma and Joe, 
and they want to make sure that their children know how much their parents loved them. The Uvalde school shooting was a horrific tragedy, but the families of the victims have shown incredible strength and resilience. They have worked to honor their loved ones and to make sure that something like this never happens again to find a path of to forgiveness. Their stories are a testament to the power of the human spirit. Here is a look at the pros and cons of gun control. Pros Reduce gun violence. Research has shown that countries with stricter gun control laws have lower rates of gun violence. For example, a 2016 study by the Harvard Injury Control Research Center found that states with stricter gun control laws had lower rates of gun homicide, increased public safety, stricter gun control laws can make people feel safer, knowing that there are fewer guns in circulation, and it is important especially for people who live in high crime areas. Fewer mass shootings. Mass shootings are a relatively rare occurrence, but they have a devastating impact on the communities where they happen. Stricter gun control laws could help to reduce the number of mass shootings. Reduced suicide rates. Guns are now used to commit suicide in the United States and it is on the higher percentage of the method of committing suicide. Stricter gun laws could help to reduce the number of suicides by making it more difficult for people to obtain guns. Increased gun safety. Stricter gun control laws could help to increase gun safety by requiring gun owners to take safety courses and store their guns safely. Here is the cons of gun control. Infringed on Second Amendment rights. The Second Amendment to the United States Constitution guarantees the right to bear arms. Some people argue that stricter gun control laws would infringe on this right. Not effective in preventing gun violence. Some people argue that stricter gun control laws would not be effective in preventing gun violence. They point to the fact that criminals will still be able to obtain guns illegally. Create a black market for guns. Stricter gun control laws could lead to the creation of a black market for guns. This would make it more difficult for law-abiding citizens to obtain guns, while criminals would still be able to get them. Increase government control. Some people argue that stricter gun control laws would lead to increased government control over citizens. They worry that the government could use these laws to disarm citizens and make it easier to oppress them. The debate over gun control is complex, with valid arguments on both sides. Ultimately, it is left to each individual to decide where they stand on this issue. It is important to have a thoughtful and productive conversation about gun control. We need to find ways to reduce gun violence in our country while also respecting the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens. Here are some specific gun control measures that we can implement to help prevent future mass shootings. Gun culture is a complex phenomenon that includes a number of factors, such as the glorification of violence in the media, the easy availability of guns, and the belief that guns are necessary for self-defense. We need to challenge the myths and stereotypes that surround gun culture. We need to teach people about the dangers of guns and the importance of gun safety. 
we need to make it clear that guns are not toys and that they should only be used for self-defense in an emergency. We also need to address the issue of mental health in the United States. Mental illness is a major factor in many mass shootings. We need to invest in mental health care so that people who are struggling can get the help they need. We need to break down the stigma associated with mental illness and encourage people to seek help if they need it. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to come back next week for our discussion of true crime stories. Until then, this is Jasmine Castillo. We are voiceless no more. This podcast was created, produced, recorded, and edited by Jasmine Castillo. Researched by Debbie Babalola and Jasmine Castillo. Current active member of Dark Cast Network, Transto Task Force, Uncovered.com, and partners with Search and Support San Antonio.